This is the uh, six MVI that I've been at since noon. Salt and sand ready for another blast of winter. The new threat that could turn roads into skating rinks. There's countless children that this affects. You know, all of us, we're, fam- we're family friends. New details in a Christmas Day tragedy that took the lives of two little girls. Court documents and what they reveal. And the frosty exchange between Canucks head coach Travis Green and goalie Anders Nielsen. What our microphone picked up at practice. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. That sign says it all. Know before you go. Where the wintry weather materialized today and why we are not out of the woods just yet. Good evening and thanks very much for joining us. Sophie is off tonight. Snow is the four-letter word a lot of British Columbians can't escape today. Metro Vancouver was spared the worst of it, but some areas are still shoveling. Meteorologist Yvonne Schell is in for Christy tonight and joins us with a number of warnings in the weather. Yvonne. Yes, Chris, we still have a snowfall warning that is in effect now. The North Shore Mountains included within that, Burnaby and New West. And a winter storm warning that includes uh, the North Shore Mountains stretching in towards the Fraser Valley as well. Earlier today on Highway 1 near Hope, we did see the snowfall, but we are going to see the potential and the risk of freezing rain as we progress throughout the day for tomorrow. And along the mountain pass, it is going to be very slick for many areas. We'll see the bulk of the snow overnight and leading throughout much of the day for tomorrow. Areas near Highway 97 earlier this morning as well. Very slick for many spots there. And that's where we'll see the potential. We do have a special weather statement that's been issued from the Coquihalla from Hope to Merritt. Also along Highway 3 along the Allison Pass is where we can see the potential between 15 and up to 25 centimeters. This will take us in towards our Thursday with that special weather statement. And then an additional 10 and 15 centimeters leading into Friday. Here's a shot of what we saw earlier today in Westwood Plateau. Many Metro Vancouver was falling as wet snow. It didn't stick, but we are going to see this next round of snow. It is going to intensify, and this will be for the overnight, taking us in towards our Thursday. How more on the amounts and how long it will last coming up shortly. Chris? Sounds good. Thanks very much, Yvonne. Real hit and miss weather out there today, so we want to check out a neighborhood that did get hit, as Yvonne mentioned. Aaron MacArthur joins us from Westwood Plateau tonight. And Aaron, slick streets and sidewalks out there, and it feels like it's getting colder. Yeah, a little bit colder tonight. You know, it's snowing. It's still snowing on Westwood. It's been off and on all day, but it hasn't stuck to the roads, as Yvonne mentioned. That doesn't mean the roads are safe to drive, certainly. If you looked at the sky, it was coming down by the bucket load. Endless streams of potato chip-sized flakes. But as soon as they hit the ground, they melted. The roads, even in the heights of Westwood Plateau, stayed bare. The temperature, not quite cold enough. Boy, these snowstorm uh, forecasts are really difficult for Metro Vancouver, the south coast, because milder air is on the way. There was barely enough snow for tobogganers. But cities from Coquitlam to Vancouver were out in full force, making sure everyone was ready for the overnight hours and the possibility of a worst-case scenario. We uh, get on snow days, usually it's really long shifts, sometimes 12 to 18 hours. Right now, forecasts are showing that we're not going to get uh, necessarily accumulations in most areas because of the road and the air temperature. We're on top of that, and if it does start to to turn and accumulate, we will uh, start plowing. Across southern BC, snow made driving a challenge. 
Accidents in Kamloops and in the Okanagan sent several people to hospital. Doesn't look slippery, but it is. Uh, just slow down and take it easy. It's not worth it this time of year, right? The Trans-Canada Highway was closed for most of the day after six people were sent to hospital in a crash near Three Valley Gap. Accidents closer to Metro Vancouver, too, keeping emergency crews busy. Basically, just went out of control into the ditch. Smooth landing. <laughs> Couldn't ask for much, much better. It's all ice. Yeah. All ice. Too what? fast, too much speed. This is the uh, sixth MVI that I've been at since noon, and it's like about quarter to three. Environment Canada reissuing a snowfall warning. Areas south of the Fraser could see up to 20 centimeters. Now, slick, wet roads made more slick by the falling temperatures this evening. The message from the RCMP is clear. Slow down, drive safely, get to where you're going. Chris. Always the best advice. All right, thanks very much, Aaron. And some breaking news to tell you about out of Richmond today where there's been a serious pedestrian accident. It happened on Sea Island at Garden City in Great Canadian Way. RCMP say the pedestrian, a young girl was struck by a Canada Post truck and rushed to hospital with what's being described as life-threatening injuries. Investigators are now trying to determine exactly what caused the accident. Drivers are being advised to avoid that area for the next few hours. Some devastating new details in the murders of two little girls on Vancouver Island. The bodies of the sisters found Christmas Day in an Oak Bay apartment. Their father was also taken to hospital where he remains with undetermined injuries. Our Grace Key is live in Oak Bay tonight with what we're learning about the family and possible warning signs of trouble early on. Grace. Yeah, we did obtain some court documents that uh, do show a court uh, custody dispute was ongoing, and it appears the father may have also been in debt. We are just in front of the apartment complex where the two young sisters were found. It remains behind yellow police tape. A memorial grows in front of the Victoria apartment where the bodies of two sisters were found on Christmas Day. I just felt compelled as a mother, just one mother to another mother. It saddens me to, um, to know that this family is experiencing this unbelievable sorrow. Police discovered six-year-old Chloe and four-year-old Aubrey at their father's apartment. Andrew Barry is now in the hospital for self-inflicted wounds. A family friend said the girls were full of joy. The thing about those girls is that they really had Sarah's spirit. And if you know Sarah, she has a big smile and she has a big laugh and she really draws people to her. And little girls were the same. Court documents show the mother, Sarah Cotton and Barry, were in a bitter custody dispute that included unpaid child support from the father. The mother had concerns about his parenting and aggressive behavior towards her during the separation. They had joint custody and the mother went to police when the girls were not brought back to her by noon Christmas Day. Oh, it's extremely challenging to ex- explain this to anybody. It's, it's such a... It's unfathomable. It's, it's really going to be a challenge. A candlelight vigil was held at Christ Church Cathedral. Chloe attended school there. She was in first grade. We're feeling really confused and, um, yeah, just a one to show support, gather with our community, our family community here, and just I think it's really important to have a place where we can put the grief. Chloe was learning French and had a horseback ride. Aubrey was enjoying preschool. Just what brought someone to end the life of two young girls is now under investigation.
And Grace, there isn't a ton of information about uh, the father of the girls, Andrew Barry, but there is some evidence that he was dealing with issues of debt. What do you know? Yeah, some of the court documents did show that he did have a child support payments. There was also a civil suit with a bank to about $12,000. There was an order of possession with a landlord. Now, BC Ferries confirming that he did work for them for 10 years in the finance department. That was up until the spring of this year. Also wanted to mention now the police are saying no charges have been laid at this time and that a male remains in hospital, not in police custody at this time, though they are not seeking any further suspects. Chris? All right. Thanks very much, Grace Key, reporting for us tonight. And of course, this is a tough time for a lot of people, a tough time of year. So a reminder, if you are struggling with debt or mental health issues or know someone who is, there is help, consider calling BC211 or go online. BC211 is a nonprofit organization that specializes in providing free information and referral regarding community, government, and social services in this province. Use it if you need it. Abbotsford police are renewing their plea for information about a woman who vanished one year ago today. 39-year-old Marie Stewart was captured on security video in the last place she was seen, walking near Seven Oaks Mall on South Fraser Way at 3 o'clock on this date last year. Police say she was pregnant when she went missing. Of course, her due date has long since passed. Family is of the opinion that uh, Marie may have uh, sought to potentially disappear or might have found the company of somebody who is kind of keeping her off the grid. Um, if that is the case, then obviously we'd like to hear from uh, either Marie or those persons um, just to know that she's safe. And obviously, given the fact that she was pregnant when she disappeared, We'd like to know that the, uh, the child is safe as well. Anyone with information is asked to contact Abbotsford Police or Crime Stoppers. RCMP are asking for the public's help identifying a suspect in an alleged assault on a student in South Surrey. Take a good look. A forensic artist created this composite sketch with details given to him from the victim. The alleged groping happened last Thursday. RCMP say the female student was walking in Alderwood Park in the 1700 block of Lilac Drive when she says she was grabbed by an unknown man who appeared to have been following her. The 16-year-old girl ran to Earl Marriott School for help and police were called. The suspect is described as a clean-cut Caucasian male, 30 to 40 years old, with a fair complexion and short black hair. If you have information, please contact Surrey RCMP. Frustration tonight that a drug which has the potential to drastically improve the life of another child suffering with a rare disease in this province is prohibitively expensive. The calls for help this time come from a Langley family and John Waugh has more on their struggle and why they say the province is their only hope to restore their child's quality of life. Surrounded by family trying to distract her from the pain, it's obvious. Jillian Prime didn't get what they all hoped for this Christmas. When you have to inject a medication that burns and she screams, while you're doing it, it tears at your heartstrings. Eight excruciating injections a week on top of other harsh medications. The only available treatment for the 11-year-old suffering from systemic juvenile idiopathic arthritis, or SJIA. A life once dedicated to sports now focused on music. A rare disease causing extreme rashes, joint pain and swelling really bad like so bad that i can't even put it into words 
There is an alternative. Kenakanumab could bring down the number of injections from 400 to just a dozen per year. But at a cost of $19,000 a month, it's not covered in B.C. Not every child that has SJIA requires this medication, but the handful of the ones in our province that do, it would change their life. I had to use my walker lots. Among them, six-year-old Landon Alexa, his mother writing an open letter to the B.C. NDP government, a petition nearly at its goal of 7,500 signatures. I also never thought I would be in a situation where I was basically begging the B.C. government to fund a medication for my son. The National Common Drug Review recommended funding the drug under certain criteria, which family says Jaylene would meet. But the B.C. Drug Benefit Council making no exceptions. The Ministry of Health says requests can be made on a special case-by-case basis, but all those have been denied. That's not acceptable to us. We watch this every day. We watch her scream in pain. Jaylene Prime still hoping her wish of finding a treatment that isn't torture will finally come true. John Hua, Global News. Proof thieves don't take a break over the holiday season. A Surrey limo company is out thousands of dollars after someone stole a very valuable part from three of their vehicles. What they were after in just over a minute. Snow that simply won't stop falling, breaking records in some parts of the U.S., plus our own snowfall warning and the details coming up a little bit later. And a holiday celebration goes terribly wrong in Cuba. That's later on the news hour as well. But first, exasperation for a Vancouver limo company tonight. Just days before Christmas, thieves vandalized three of their vehicles, leaving the owner with a hefty repair bill. What's worse, the company stands to lose thousands of dollars in business. Nadia Stewart explains what the thieves were after. They cut them off over here, and on the other side, literally basically about 10 to 12 feet of it. It has been a frustrating December for limousine company owner Meninder Grewal. You have no idea. The first night when I found out this happened, I wasn't able to sleep. His buses vandalized, thieves stealing the catalytic converters. The pollution control system are the two units, one over here and one there, connected with the pipes. Between December 15th and 22nd, his company was hit three times. Before this, he'd never had a problem parking his buses in an unsecured lot in East Vancouver. But without security video, it's nearly impossible to track the thieves down. The theft costing him thousands in repairs and lost revenue. It's going to probably cost me probably about thirty, forty thousand dollars $40,000. Uh, off revenue loss. I have work coming up in the month of January that I'm not going to be able to complete because my buses will not be ready. We here actually had to install cameras five years ago that are monitored live at night just for that fact. We started having so much metal theft in the lot here. Greg Dosen of Fraserview Service says the catalytic converters contain coveted precious metals. Sold for scraps, they can net a few hundred dollars, but the repair will cost over $10,000. And at his shop alone, he's seen nearly two dozen similar incidents. The rules need to change. The rules need to change. People selling the scrap need to be identified, and you have to have some kind of an ID where you show them your driver's license or something to sort of curtail this. Otherwise, it's just going to be more and more rampant. What can I say to them? For a couple hundred bucks, you just cost me over ten to $15,000 worth of damage. Grewal is now out about three to four weeks worth of corporate bookings. The part he needs is on back order. In the meantime, he'll be ramping up security on his remaining vehicles. So his business won't have to suffer anymore. That is our global news. Conjuring up a Christmas miracle in the kitchen. 
It just seemed like the right thing to do. Who answered the call when this family was having a turkey emergency coming up? And one company using technology to transform the modern office. That's later as well. It's the season for family gatherings and big turkey dinners. But imagine getting your turkey out of the fridge on Christmas Day to prep for dinner, only to find out it had gone bad. Stores are closed. It's too late to defrost another bird. So what do you do? Well, for one Ladner family, they turned to social media. And Lynn Collier explains how it turned into a Christmas miracle. It's a Christmas turkey with a twist. This is the second turkey Tash Gishon's family cooked for dinner, one made solely for leftovers, soup and sandwiches. But this turkey had a different fate. I was on Facebook sometime in the afternoon, and I saw a post about a family that had a turkey mishap. So I told my mom, and we ended up giving away our turkey to the family. Jennifer Turner couldn't believe it when Tash called to say they had a spare turkey, an answer to her turkey mishap post on Facebook. When Jesse called her, he said, Merry Christmas, Mom, and she said, it's not so merry, and he said, what's wrong? Uh, this was about the afternoon, um, and then he, she said that... Uh, she said that the turkey had spoiled, so when she opened the fridge, a big waft of sourness came wafting into her face. Tash's family turkey wasn't the only offer from the community of Ladner. Some folks offered hams, and the local market even said it would open so they could get a frozen bird. But it was too late to thaw another one. Uh, we had some frozen chicken breasts, <laughs> and we were just going to pretend it was turkey. She was going to marinate it. And, yeah. Uh, oh, cranberry <laughs> sauce. It was Christmas. I don't know. What better way than to give? <laughs> it just seemed like the right thing to do. Tash and Jennifer graduated high school together but had lost touch. Thanks to a turkey mishap, the dinner was saved and a friendship rekindled. We'll for sure pay it forward in any way we can. So thank you, Laudner. We love you. Bye. Thank you. Thank you. Merry Christmas. Lynn Collier, Global News. Well, as the new year approaches, here's a review of some of the things that will cost you more and in some cases less in 2018. Property taxes in Vancouver and Kelowna will be going up. Vancouverites will see a 4.24% hike, while those in Kelowna will be paying 3.6% more. Some prices at the grocery store are also forecast to go up. And here's the good news. Starting January 1st, all British Columbians will see their medical services premiums go down. The MSP, the medical services premium, is being cut in half. So that's a 50% cut. That's a big chunk of change for most people here in B.C. So on average, if you have a two-person adult family home, that's about 900 bucks a year in savings. And so that's really nice for your wallet, very good for your bank account, a nice way to start off the new year. In April, the province is committed to a temporary freeze of B.C. hydro rates to allow for a review of the corporation. And ferry rates for the major routes are also expected to be frozen as of April 1st. Now, politics has become even more of a spectator sport in the past year, and not just in the U.S. As Keith Baldry reports, 2017 saw some more unexpected twists and turns in B.C. politics than we've seen in a long time. The year's drama began in April with a 28-day election campaign. It was expected to be a tight contest, but no one imagined just how close the result would be. 
I think a lot of uh, nervous people uh, in both camps because there are still so many close races. The B.C. Liberals had won the most seats, but not a majority of them. It looks like right now we're heading towards a minority government in B.C. for the first time in a long time. And NDP leader John Horgan realized it wasn't over by any means. British Columbians have waited 16 years for a government that works for them. And we're going to have to ask you to wait a little bit longer until all the votes are counted. When the final results were in days later, it became apparent the Green Party held the balance of power. And after some uncertainty, the Greens went with the NDP. In the end, we had to make a difficult decision. A decision that we felt was in the best interest of British Columbia today. And so with that, the two leaders and their caucuses signed a confidence and supply agreement outlining the terms of their deal. They both delivered it to Government House to Lieutenant Governor Judith Gishon, whose name would become rather familiar in the weeks ahead. And bear true allegiance. And bear true allegiance. But Christy Clark wasn't through just yet. She still formed government and swore in her cabinet. And she had Gishon deliver a throne speech, quickly dubbed the clone speech, since it essentially copied the other party's platforms. They expect us to listen and find a way to work together. But it was just a matter of time before things fell apart. Clark didn't have the numbers to command the House, and the NDP and the Greens did. Horgan set the wheels in motion with a non-confidence vote. Government does not have the confidence of this House. And then it happened. The motion is carried. This House stands adjourned. For the first time in 65 years, a B.C. government fell from power in the legislature. A shattered and emotional Clark slowly made her way back to her office, dogged by TV cameras and cheered by staff. Shortly afterwards, her premiership slipping away, Clark made the drive to Government House and came out more than an hour later. So she has now retired to make her decision. It suddenly seemed unclear what would happen next, but then Horgan's staff got the call. Get to Government House now. Morning, have a chat. So I've just uh, spoken with the Lieutenant Governor and she has asked me if, if I have the confidence of the legislature to form a government, and I've told her that I do, and I... It was undoubtedly the most dramatic period in B.C. political history, but it ended with certainty and with emotion. Premier of British... Keith Baldry, Global News. A trans-Pacific flight from L.A. turned around in midair. The man without a ticket and tough questions about how he got on board. And Prince Harry's interview with Barack Obama, what the president was really thinking at Donald Trump's inauguration. (laughs) 39 people are recovering from burns after a massive fireworks explosion in Cuba. The fireworks were set off during a traditional Christmas Eve festival, but very quickly it got out of control. A number of children are among the injured, But it's not believed any tourists were hurt. The festival draws thousands of people every year. The cause of the explosion is still under investigation. New questions tonight about airline security. A passenger boarded an ANA flight from Los Angeles to Tokyo, even though he wasn't supposed to be on it. When the mistake was discovered, the crew was forced to turn the plane around. For 226 passengers and crew on all Nippon Airlines Flight 175, the U-turn was abrupt. On board, supermodel Chrissy Teigen diving right into the mid-air mystery. Hey guys, Chrissy Teigen here, reporting live. 
Teigen breaking the news that a rogue passenger had made it on their plane with a ticket for another airline. Writing to her 9 million Twitter followers, they keep saying the person had a United ticket. We're on ANA. Adding, so basically the boarding pass scanner is just a beedoop machine that makes beedoop noises that register to nowhere. Law enforcement sources now say that two brothers booked two different flights to Japan, one on ANA, the other on United. But somehow both brothers ended up on the ANA flight together. Security expert Jeff Price says incidents like this are rare. If the captain says, I'm not comfortable with that person being on this plane, then that plane's going to turn around and go back. Four hours into the flight, the pilot did turn back. The airline apologized on Twitter, saying, we failed to deliver the customer service we strive for. Tegan and her husband, singer John Legend, touching back down in L.A. Thank you so much for taking me on this awesome vacation, babe. Welcome to Los Angeles. Eventually landing in Japan after a quick round trip to nowhere. Gotti Schwartz, NBC News, Los Angeles. Former U.S. President Barack Obama appears to take a thinly veiled swipe at President Trump's Twitter habits in a rare and wide-ranging radio interview with Britain's Prince Harry. It's Obama's first and only interview since leaving office. Harry asked to conduct the friendly grilling as a guest interviewer on BBC Radio 4's flagship current affairs program. You're excited about this. I'm biased about this. That's what's quite funny. It's, 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 it's fun. It was more of a friendly chat than fierce grilling. Former President Barack Obama opening up to Prince Harry about his last day at the White House. You're sat in Marine One, the presidential helicopter, flying over Washington. You've sat through the inauguration with your game face on, not giving much emotion away, as we all saw. Uh -huh. what's, going, what's going through your mind? Yeah, the first thing that went through my mind was, sitting across from Michelle, how thankful I was that she had been my partner through that whole process. That was mixed with all the work that was still undone. The talk was taped in September, when Harry and Obama were in Toronto for the Invictus Games. And although President Trump's name was never mentioned, the Q&A touched on social media, with Obama saying it should connect rather than divide. One of the, the dangers of the Internet is, is that people can have entirely different realities. They can be just cocooned in information that re reinforces their current biases. Then Harry got to what he called the serious questions. LeBron James or Michael Jordan? Jordan. Uh, although I love LeBron, but I'm... A Chicago guy. Aretha Franklin or Tina Turner? Aretha's the best. Suits or the good wife? Suits, obviously. Great, great, great answer. The former first family and young royals have been friendly for years. So will the Obamas have an invite to the biggest wedding of 2018? We haven't put the, uh, the invite uh, or the guest list together yet. So who knows, who knows whether he's going to be invited or not. I wouldn't want to ruin that surprise. A royal dilemma for another day. Kelly Cobiella, NBC News, London. In health matters tonight, more evidence that what's good for the heart is also good for the brain. Doctors with the American Academy of Neurology now recommend exercise for patients with mild cognitive impairment. Their research shows working out just twice a week may improve thinking ability and memory. The new guideline does not recommend any dietary changes or medications but some evidence suggests cognitive training may also be beneficial for these patients. Fond memories of a hockey legend. The Detroit Red Wings by a score of 4-2. What made former Leafs goalie Johnny Bauer so special? 
And it doesn't get much more Canadian than this, a Christmas delivery on skates, coming up. The gifts must get through. We've got the story behind this Made in BC moment coming up right after Yvonne's forecast. And before we get to that, parts of the United States are in a deep freeze right now, and it's expected to stay that way for much of the northern U.S. for days. Meanwhile, the snow-hardened city of Erie, Pennsylvania, is digging out from record snowfall. More snow fell on Erie, Pennsylvania again today. All hands on deck at the emergency center, struggling to clear roads and keep residents safe. Ever seen anything like this? Yeah, not really. County exec Kathy Dahlkemper called for help, even the National Guard. You haven't had a break? We have not had a break since um, uh, really Christmas Eve. Guard troops helped dig out this senior center. The exit's blocked by snow. Now, God forbid, in the event of an emergency and we actually had to evacuate, we could get out safely. Erie's had 65 inches of snow in just four days, 102 inches in December alone, what they usually get all winter. One sign of progress, Erie's airport finally opened, the first arrivals and departures in days. Are you checking this back? Yes. Even Deirdre uh, yes. Walsh, who told us she had Christmas dinner from the vending machine, had a flight out. I'm quite happy. Yes. But the mail service is no match for the snow. Delivery to homes canceled. And just look at what's happening on the shores of Lake Erie, south of Buffalo. Frozen solid. Everything is coated in ice. Temperatures continue falling in the Midwest, and it's only getting worse. Today's real feel with the wind chill, Chicago, negative 21 degrees. Green Bay, Wisconsin, minus 22. And Duluth, Minnesota, 40 below zero. The big chill expected to last through the weekend, already putting New Year's Eve plans across the country on ice. In Colorado, the Red Rock celebration will move inside. And as the bitter cold moves into the northeast, workers in Times Square spent the day barehanded in 20-degree weather. It's honestly brutal, but we got to do what we got to do. Layers, layers of clothing, you know? Putting the finishing touches on the world-famous crystal ball, where come New Year's Eve, folks could experience frigid temperatures in the teens. New York City or Whitehorse? Take your pick. It's minus 28 up there lately, too. Yvonne Shell's in now with a look at our weather forecast. Tough to call where the snow's going to fall, the freezing rain. I know you guys have your work cut out for you. Yes, we do. Uh, I anticipate that this next system actually is going to give more of an impact, especially for the commute for our Thursday. And I'll have those amounts in just a moment. We have been seeing the snow tapering off, but we're just in a bit of a break in between systems right now. I did see this tweet, though, from Janet Brown uh, from CKNW. She sent this within the last 40 minutes, so there was still some snow falling out in Surrey. But I anticipate, especially Surrey, eastern sections and stretching in towards the valley, a big concern will be the risk of freezing rain for tomorrow. A glance at our temperatures today up to to two degrees. We're well below the average for this time of the year for many areas. That's at around six degrees. And this is the next weather maker that's going to push in. Now, the timing of this overnight and for Thursday and throughout much of the day on Thursday, we'll have accumulating snowfall for eastern sections and higher elevations. 10 and up to 20 will be stretching in towards areas into Abbotsford, Chilliwack, and Hope. And higher elevations across Metro Vancouver between five and up to 15 centimeters. Most areas closer to the water for the morning will change over to rain quite 
quickly. Whistler right into the Sea to Sky Highway, 10 and up to 25 centimeters, and anywhere between 5 and up to 15 centimeters will be for higher elevations along the island. And this is for the overnight and taking us through the day on Thursday. We do have the potential for the interior sections if you're heading along the mountain passes, though, to see an additional 10 and 15 centimeters once again on Friday. Northern sections for tomorrow, mostly light flurry activity or light snowfall across the coast. The central interior tomorrow and the mountain passes is where we'll see the bulk of the moisture with up to 25 centimeters for Thursday and then an additional 10 and up to 15 centimeters for your Friday. Winter driving light conditions, we are looking at that risk of freezing rain as the snow changes over to rain for many areas. That'll be right towards eastern sections and stretching in towards the Fraser Valley. So anticipate it to be very slick throughout the day for our Thursday. Unsettled Friday, Saturday. Looks like we'll get into some breaks for our, our New Year's Eve. Here's a quick snapshot of all the announcements that we have this evening. A belated to Francis Bradley from West Van, who celebrated 102. That was on Christmas Day. Similar for Stanley Doyle, who turned 100. A happy birthday this evening to Joy Barr, rather, from Vancouver, celebrating 100. And a happy anniversary, or birthday, rather, anniversary to Alice and Frank Ogden from Oliver, celebrating 70 years. Tonight's weather window, this is a great shot that was taken. Frozen Lake, it's coming, wait for it. And this was by Jamie Chan in Shore Acres, B.C. Chris? Looks beautiful. Okay, thanks very much, Yvonne. And Clearly, it's cold across most of the province, but in Kelowna, some are making the best of an icy situation. Global viewer and local videographer Aaron De Silva sent us this video. He filmed his buddy skating right down icy McKinnis Street in Kelowna, carrying gifts, of course. They say they hope to make it an annual tradition if the weather cooperates, of course. Very cool. Well, tributes are pouring in tonight for a hockey legend, Hall of Fame goaltender Johnny Bauer. He's a Toronto Maple Leafs icon, but he's remembered across the country for his generosity and his toughness. Bauer passed away yesterday after a short battle with pneumonia at the age of 93. The Detroit Red Wings by a score of 42. There are many kind words for Johnny Bauer today. Hardworking, generous, or just a few. What can you say about a guy that just worked hard and, and was happy with what he was doing? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And signing autographs, he'd sign autographs like uh, till the cows come home. You know what I mean? This could be one of the last autographs yeah. Bauer signed. Eddie Schack, a teammate on the last Leafs team to win the Stanley Cup in 1967, was with Johnny just a few days ago at an autograph signing session. His hand there, look how good. There. That was about a week ago he, he signed that. Bauer stopped one. Parker McDonald tried to get it. Bauer was a late bloomer. He first showed up in net with the Maple Leafs when he was 34 years old. Four Stanley Cups later, Johnny retired at age 45. He wore the blue and white for 11 years. Some say he never really took it off. We don't really know of a, of a player, a former player, that was as loved uh, by uh, Leaf fans but love them back uh, equally as much. Maple Leafs president Brendan Shanahan remembers the famous Bauer poke check, even off the ice. If you were playing street hockey and you poke check somebody, you yelled Johnny Bauer. I just Johnny Bauer'd you. So Johnny Bauer is known from coast to coast. Brian Conacher also played with Bauer on that 67 team. He says for decades later, the Leafs never had a better spokesperson. 
He never did really retire when you think of it. He, he stepped off the ice and then he was with the organization and he was the ultimate uh, goodwill ambassador. Johnny Bauer uh, passed away at the age of 93 but remains larger than life outside the ACC. On Legends Row, a hockey great, a loyal ambassador and even more according to another beloved Maple Leaf. He was as good a person there ever is. Tom Hayes, Global News. What and a legend. For one year it was a Vancouver Canuck, but that was way back in the 50s when the Canucks were a minor league team. But he played is that right? 63 yeah. games for the Vancouver Canucks in 54-55. Amazing story, and what a, what a talent. And toughness. We're talking about you know, just taking pucks in the face and going, getting on with things. For a lot of that. young hockey fans, it's like, what? Where's the mask? Yeah. No mask. Yeah. Um, okay, yeah. Christmas may be over, but today Travis Green was checking his naughty and nice list. He's a passionate guy, and uh, you know, that's what you want out of your coach. And for a while, Anders Nilsson got on the wrong side of the list. Ah, very compelling. We'll check that out a little bit later. And the office of the future, it's already here. One company using new technology to transform the traditional workspace. Was Travis Green doling out tough love or something else at <laughs> practice was, it's today? It's tough love. It's tough love. Yeah. Um, you know, when you've won one of your last nine games and you have tumbled down the standings like a man falling down the stairs, tension will build. Today at the Canucks' first practice since the Christmas break, Travis Green was making sure his guys worked off their turkey hangover and focus on getting this thing back on the rails. Yes, injuries to the Canucks are a big issue, but the healthy players have not really picked up the slack very well, and that includes the two goaltenders. And today at practice, Anders Nilsson caught the wrath of the head coach. Now, I think, I'm guessing, that Green was not happy with the way Nilsson was doing some of the drills, and Nilsson's not happy about something either. I can't tell what he's saying here, but it required some gesturing. And then, as Travis Green skated away, he yelled back, stop the puck, get in shape, and stop the puck, which really, when you think about it, is very good advice. Stop the puck and get in shape. There were some other words in between those words, but, you know, you get the message. Mm -hmm. And while most workers would not like their boss to berate them like that, in sports, players for the most part like it when a head coach is direct with them. For example, Willie Desjardins was one who didn't say very much to the Canuck players, and I'm not sure a lot of them like that. Travis Green is the opposite. He tells them when they have done well, and he tells them when they have not done well. In other words, with Travis Green, you know where you stand. Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, Greener's all in. He's, uh, he, he's a passionate guy, and uh, you know, that's what you want out of your coach, I think, um, you know, with the way things are going right now. Um, you know, I think we need that. We need a little bit of uh, a fire in our room, and um, you, know, you, you sense it in here, and uh, you know, we're excited to get going tomorrow and, and get back at it. Sort of looked like first day of training camp. In some ways, uh, you're on your guys. Is that just snapping back to attention to get back at it? Uh, I'd like to think I'm on them a lot of the times. But, uh, no, three days off. We wanted to make sure we had a good practice, detailed practice, and with some pace and execution and ready to go tomorrow. Now, not having Bo Horvat or Brandon Sutter has hurt the Canucks in a big way. Penalty killing has suffered. Face-offs have suffered. Overall, team defense has suffered. But that's when you need your goaltenders to steal a game or two, and that has not happened in this stretch. Both Nilsson and Markstrom have not been as good as they were at the start of the season, and that has to change 
for there to be a turnaround for this team, starting with the game against Chicago tomorrow night? Yeah, I mean, our goalies, they'll be the first to admit that, you know, there's a couple pucks they'd like to have back. A couple shots, a couple goals. Uh, we talked to our team today about that. Our goals against has to come down if we want to win. And part of it, you know, for the last nine games, our goalies have probably liked a couple back, without a doubt. But a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of it's on our team. We've got to play good team defense. And, uh, you know, that's bearing down. That's committing to it. Watch the Canadian players react to smelling salts. Whoa! Whoa! <laughs> what is that stuff? That's before the game against Slovakia tonight. Game two for Canada at the World Juniors. First goal early at Sam Steele. Steele scores! Now for Kale McCarr rebound. That made it 1-0. Watch this play by Jordan Cairo. Watch the move right there. Around the defenseman. He doesn't lose the puck there. I thought, oh, must have lost the puck and regained it. No. That was a planned play. Wow. St. Louis Blues draft pick. Nice goal. Uh, speaking of draft picks, Canucks draft pick Jonah Gadjevich is on this team. He gets one here. And he'd get another. Let's take one more look at this one. McCarr throws the puck at the net. Gadjevich, who's a big kid, 6'2", And here's his second goal of the game. And because he had two goals and a 6-0 win, Jonah Gadjevich was the player of the game. Now, the next game for Canada is noon Friday. It's an outdoor game. They hope to get it in against the USA. But right now, it's minus 13 in Buffalo. So they're watching the temperatures and the weather. But they hope to get the outdoor game in noon on Friday. Newcastle, Manchester U City. Oh, oh, that was almost a goal for Newcastle. And Nicholas Otamendi heads that away. And then, for his troubles, gets knocked into the net. Ow. That's an owie. Manchester City, 17 straight wins coming into this one. The only goal of the game, Raheem Sterling. Sterling's continued his run. First time effort off the post and in. And Man City has now made it 18 straight. They are running away with the Premiership. 1-0. The final over Newcastle. There you go. Thank you very much, Squire. Check in now with Sonia Deal with a preview of Global News at 11 tonight. Sonia. Thank you very much for that, Chris. Yeah, we're going to continue to look into that family tragedy near Victoria, where two little girls were found murdered in their father's apartment on Christmas Day. New de details uh, emerging today, telling us about a bitter custody battle that was going on uh, between the parents. So talk about that. Plus, we will be on Snow Watch. Now, you might remember this photo uh, from last January, a really good example of what police don't want drivers to do uh, if we get lots of snow on our cars explain that one those stories and more on global news at 11 later tonight all right sounds good thanks very much sonia and when we come back a glimpse at the office of the future that's really already here in excellent shape for skiers and snowboarders whistler blackcomb a base of 158 centimeters gross 185 cypress 204 and sasquatch 186 in the interior, Revelstoke, a base of 137 centimeters, Manning Park, 100, and Powder King, 152. Southern interior, Big White, the base of 152, Silver Star, about 130, Sun Peaks, 112, and Apex, a little over a 100 centimeter base. Technology is changing the way we work, and that change is coming very quickly. Just 30 years ago, typewriters were the norm in most offices. Then came the computer. And what's coming next seems like science fiction. Except for one company, it's already reality. Jolene Kent reports. The faraway future of Minority Report and Iron Man 
may be coming to your workplace. Imagine computing that feels like playing with Legos. That's what we're driving towards here. Silicon Valley startup Meta is removing computer monitors for employees, replacing them with augmented reality or AR headsets that project holograms onto the real world to end what the CEO calls the tyranny of the modern office. We have a generation of people who are kind of phone monkeys hunched over their rectangles and yeah, we're all, we're, we're all guilty of it. Um, but I felt like there was something better. Here you go. Mayron Gribbitz and his team designed these high-tech AR glasses. Look at that. Whoa. Instead of clicking a mouse, you grab the air and move anything from a website to a sticky note, even a human brain. This is amazing. It's different from virtual reality, which completely covers your field of vision. Augmented reality has taken a big step forward as Google and Apple unveiled toolkits for developers. Expand box. Meta is already working with Nike sneaker designers. The fact that Facebook and Google and Apple and Microsoft are all betting on augmented reality right now is huge. But using AR all day every day is not for everyone yet. Some people, they get tired after like 20 minutes. For me, it took a little longer for my eyes to adjust and figure everything out. Adjusting our view on the future of...